0: so take your bibles let's start again and read starting in micah 7 verse 8 and we'll just pull it in and and carry on from there lord bless your word as we read it bless your study as we come lord open our hearts and our minds that we may receive the fullness of what you have for us tonight lord help us to know that you are god you're not a religion you're not just something that we believe in but you are a living powerful god that loves us and has saved us and has called us for a purpose and and wants to use our life and wants us to know that we can trust you and depend on you and look to you and and call out your name and and lord i pray tonight that we will receive fruit and, and food and and all the things that we need to live and walk in this world that we live in 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 jesus name amen Rejoice not against me, Micah says in verse 8. He says that to his enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold His righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it. And shame shall cover her, her which said unto me, Where is the Lord your God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, talking about Jerusalem, in that that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities. And from the fortresses, even to the river and from the sea to sea and from mountain to mountain, notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. We've covered all these verses up to this point. And basically in review real quick. What has happened in the nation is a complete moral collapse. The priests, the leaders, all of them, the ones who are supposed to point the people to God. They themselves turned away from God and brought in false false worship, false gods. They, they, the leaders who were supposed to care for the people used them and abused them. They, they, they would bless them if they came with money or offering and basically bribing the priests and, and the leaders. And, and they, would, they would subjugate the poor and basically harm them if it meant for their betterment and if it was something that the wealthy who would come and, and they didn't care about the poor, they just wanted the money and the prestige and the power. There was utter and complete moral collapse within the nation. But yet Micah looked to God for his hope. He looked to God for hope. He looked to the, to the God of my salvation, he calls him. He says that the God of my salvation will hear me, and I have complete and utter confidence in the salvation of God, even though our people have completely and morally collapsed before Him. And because of that sin, and because because God is a God of love, but and a God of judgment, what's going to happen? Israel's going to pay for their sin. They're going to pay for their sin by Syria coming down and taking the ten northern tribes. By Babylon coming in. And taking, taking Judah. Into captivity. Now this, this. Prophecy of Micah. Is to encourage them. Through the captivity. And, and the, the recovery. What, what's the word that they. When they come out of captivity. Isn't there a word? We're tired. We don't know the word. But the prophecy covers them. Going into captivity i know there's a word and then coming out of captivity but but that that's only part of it isn't it because we know in micah chapter 4 it talks about the messiah coming and setting up kingdom now you're thinking about the word (laughs) something like that maybe restoration (laughs) (laughs) because we know in micah 4 messiah will come and set up the kingdom on mount zion and all the world will come and everything. And so we know that there is a futuristic part of this prophecy. But either way, to those people going going to be going into captivity, the point is this, that God is going to save this people. God is going to cover this people. God is going to do something wonderful for you as a people. And, and so Micah says, around verse 9 or so, he says, that Israel will bear the punishment. And he says it for them. He says, I will bear the indignation of God. Because, of this, because I have sinned. The sins of the people. And, and you know what? That's a big difference. Than, than When you look at verse 9. And he says, we will bear the indignation of God. Because we have sinned against him. That is, that is the difference between remorse. Penitence, thank you remorse listen to this remorse is man being sorry for himself man saying look man i got caught i got in trouble remorse is something that 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 he's sorry for what happened because it has brought suffering to him penitence is better probably rephrased as the word repentance because repentance is Is where the person is grieved by the sin that they've done against God. And he yields his personal suffering and and just says, Lord, I I deserve what I'm going through. I deserve the punishment of what I've done. I deserve, ultimately that's what we say to God, I deserve being cast away. I deserve suffering the consequences of my sin. But you said you are a God of mercy and grace. And he freely, freely gives that salvation when a person comes in repentance. And, and this is kind of what Micah is showing. It's not just showing, man, we're in big trouble, stink, we got to deal with this. No, he says, we deserve it. We, we've been, we've, we've not followed those covenants and those things that God told us to follow when we went into the land out of Deuteronomy, what, 26, 27, 28. You remember all those things he said, man, you do these, you'll be blessed. You do these, you'll be cursed. They did the latter, and they were cursed. And so Micah says, we've sinned against God, but there's going to come a day when we will rise. There there will come a day when we shall see His righteousness. There will come a day when God will save us. And when that happens, all the enemies of God will be trampled down. I like the word in in verse 10. It says, I'm not sure maybe in yours, but in mine, it says trampled down. And in in other ways it puts it, trampled into the mud. He says he will completely well, he will completely and utterly destroy the enemies. This is what God has told Micah to say. And then, you know, he says the enemies will be destroyed and we have sinned and we will suffer indignation. We will suffer the punishment, but we will see God's hand and we will see his forgiveness and we will see his salvation because I call out to him and I know that he hears us. And then God's going to come and he's going to rebuild the nation. And this is what Micah's is telling to these people He said, God will rebuild your nation. And not only that, he says, your boundaries will be extended and they will be, you know, Israel's going to see the land as it should have been. Israel will have the entire kingdom. There will come a day in the future when Israel will have all this. And and Micah says to them that he's God's going to rebuild their boundaries and they will be extended. In verse 11, it says a day for the building of your walls. And in that day, the boundary shall be far extended. Even today, what are the Jewish people interested in? Their land means a lot to them, doesn't it? And their land will be increased. But you know what? I really get blessed. When you read further down into verse 12. Do you know what the salvation. And I'll show this more later. But the salvation that God is going to give to the people of Israel. It's just not to them. But it's all who will come to him. You know look at verse 12. And that day he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from The fortified cities and from the fortresses even to the river. And from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. You know they will come from all over the places. And why will they come? They will come to honor Israel. But to more so honor the God of Israel. Look at Micah chapter 4. Just a couple chapters back. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. That will only happen when Christ sets up His messianic kingdom. And shall be exalted above the hills and the peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, what? Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths for out of zion the zion the law shall go forth in the word of the lord from jerusalem you know in the day that god brings back the people and he sets up his kingdom and he establishes the boundaries of israel it's not just for the salvation of the israelites there will be many more people that will be coming to the lord right Is that what we not see here? They've come to worship God. And I think sometimes as Gentiles, we we just forget, oh man, God's going to do something with Israel. We are affected as well. The rest of the world is affected as well. It's just not going to be something they get only. The results of what they receive will be given to many other people, many other nations. But isn't that really how it was supposed to be in the beginning anyway? All Israel was, they were God's chosen people, but they were God's chosen people to show the salvation of God to the world. They were the light to the world. And even in the temple, remember when they built the temple, Andrew, they had a Gentile court, did they not? They had Gentile proselytes all throughout the time. When Paul went on his three missionary journeys, the fourth one was the prison journey, but the three missionary journeys... When he went into a lot of those uh, 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 cities, towns, whatever they were, he went into the what? And then when he went to the synagogue, there were usually two groups of people within the synagogues, weren't they? Weren't there? There were the Jews. As long as there were 10 males, Jewish males within the city, they'd have a synagogue. See, they didn't have a synagogue in Philippi because they had not 10 Jewish males to, to bring one together. But he would go into the synagogue and he would speak to the Jews and to the Jewish prosely- proselytes. Uh, the, you know, Gentile people who follow Judaism. And many of those proselytes accepted Christ and followed the Lord Jesus. I, I mean, th- this is just a beautiful picture. You know, God truly does love the world, doesn't he? And all who will come to him, he will receive. And, and this is kind of what Mike has laid out in these first 12 verses or so. Uh, of of micah chapter 7 but then he gets into the rest of the chapter did anybody read this have you have you read micah 7 it's beautiful man it's full of hope It, it, it just it is just it is just an amazing end of this book and now let's read verses 14 through 20 and i just i just want to give you some thoughts about a few bits and bobs within the Within these, this set of scripture. Now I'm going to read. A little differently tonight. So you just follow along as best you can. Verse 14. Micah. Micah talks to the Lord. And he concludes this chapter. In, in what many commentaries say. Or call. Uh, uh, th- this portion of scripture. As one of the sweetest prayers. In all of prophetic literature. It is the prophet. Pouring out his heart. To a God that he absolutely believes in, looks to, depends upon, and is calling out to. And he has hope for his nation because of that God. And he has hope for himself because of that God. And it and you can sense that in the way he speaks here. He's praying to the Lord in this, in in this song type poem. He says, Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might, and they shall lay their hands on their mouths, and their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, Like the crawling things of the earth, they shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He delights in mercy in steadfast love. And y'all to circle that or highlight it or write it down somewhere because we need to understand that today. See, God doesn't change, does he, Andrew? And I and and he works a little bit differently at times maybe, but he doesn't change. And the God of mercy for Micah is the God of mercy for you and I tonight. And if God tarries for another thousand years, and I honestly hope He doesn't. You know, I really hope He doesn't. But if he decides to tarry another 1,000 years, uh, 999 years from tonight, there will be someone preaching out of the book of Micah, and he can say tonight that he was the God of mercy for Israel. He was the God of mercy and, and steadfast love for those who lived in 2015 that preached in this church. And 999 years later, he's still the God of mercy and steadfast love. Amen? He never stops being That God of mercy and steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And you will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love, mercy to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. I know Andrew's taught on Psalm 23 and I, and, and I believe you talked about the shepherd, and I'm sure he's spoken about the rod. But Micah goes from, from a God, he goes from that God of, of, of carrying a rod of justice to now that loving shepherd who carries the shepherd's rod. Look again in verse 14 and 15. He says, shepherd your people with your staff the flock of your heritage who dwell solitarily in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them wonders. There's a lot that can be said here, but think about this. A people who are going into captivity, a people who are in essence going in into a time of silence they were out of their land they will be away from their temple the, the, they'll be away from the presence of God because the presence of God was within the temple wasn't it they'll be gone and yet Micah is looking forward to the day that God will be their shepherd once again Do you know the shepherd is the one that feeds his people he watches over them when they're in pasture. He guards them and he protects them. He protects them them from the wolves. He he, he goes after them when they're lost. And you know, Micah wasn't the only one telling Israel that God is their shepherd. Take take your Bible and look into Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to read 11 verses, but, but it's best to do that to see the context of it. Because Isaiah, a contemporary with Micah, is saying the same thing. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned. She, just like Micah is saying just now. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The promises of Abraham, all that book, everything in this book that you have read, we have the complete text. It will all stand forever. Amen. I, I, isn't that a blessing to you? That's hope. That's That's strength, that's balm, that's medicine, that's everything that we need. And no matter if it's Micah or Isaiah or any other prophet or apostle or anybody, they all look to the same God, the God of hope and mercy and loving kindness. And he says here, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up and be not afraid. It says to the, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Can you imagine in the day when Messiah stands upon that Mount Zion and they say, behold your God? I can't even fathom it. But we're going to see it, I believe. Amen? And, shall, and behold the Lord God, He shall come with a strong hand and His arms shall rule for them, for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. Now, verse 11, listen. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and he will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those who are with young. That hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. The futuristic part of this at the millennial kingdom, God will shepherd his people. He will take them from a rod of justice to a rod of Of the shepherd. And can I give you a few thoughts about the shepherd? You know the shepherd is sacrificial. Is he not? See. You want to learn a lot about the shepherd? You need to hear it from the voice of his son. Take your Bible to John chapter 10 verse 11. What did Jesus say? He said. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? He gives his life for the sheep. Hey, do you ever think about that? That your shepherd is sacrificial towards you? He gave you his life. He gave you his everything. And you remember from Sunday, we talked about the blood of Christ and what we received because of the blood of Christ and, and our hope because of the blood of Christ. The shepherd is sacrificial. God gave. The shepherd is also personal. You think sometimes God is just kind of out there and you know, we come all together to worship or we come on church or or something like that or the nation of Israel comes. But the shepherd is personal. Look at John 10 verse 14. He says again, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. He knows each sheep. He knows you, Andrew, and he knows he knows you, Lisa, and he knows you, Hazel and, and Corey and on and on and on. He knows you. You don't have just a God that is a shepherd of a flock. You have a God that is a shepherd of a sheep. Doesn't that mean something to you? When you're hurting, He will fix you. He will help you. When the lamb is broken a leg, what does the shepherd do with the lamb? He carries him. This is our God. He's a sacrificial shepherd. He's a personal shepherd. Do you remember the parable of the lost sheep i like to rename that parable the lost sheep to the parable parable of the searching shepherd did you ever read it what man jesus is talking to them and trying to tell these people you know you're getting on me for healing people or doing some wonderful thing you know if you all had a a a a bunch of sheep and and a and hundred of them and, and, and one of them got away and you only had ninety nine. You leave everything to go and look for that lost sheep. Amen. Is this not our God? How he goes and looks for his lost sheep? It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and he goes after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. We have a personal shepherd. And you know what that shepherd does? I. I I didn't take these from other notes or anything. I, I, I just saw in some the scripture some thoughts. And so I came up with these titles. of The, 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 the shepherd is sacrificial and personal myself. So they're not poignant thoughts. But maybe you can hear the verses and, and complete it. But my next one is the shepherd completes. Just think about it. When we were away from the shepherd, we were empty. The Bible says that your life was vain. It was empty, it was futile. And our lives without God are vain and empty and futile. And when that true shepherd comes in, He completes our life, does He not? Look what God's Word says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. The writer of Hebrews says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he, listen to this, listen what he does. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he equip you with all you need. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing, in praying, and teaching, and saying to them, the shepherd of the sheep, may he complete you. May he work in you all that you need. May he do what is necessary for you to bring glory and honor to him. It is not us that we make ourselves fit to meet his honor and purpose. It is him working in us. Haven't, haven't you seen, you, you know, you're just growing over a period of time? You're being faithful and you're staying in the word and you're listening to God. But hasn't he changed your life? Man, all of you here tonight, just as your pastor over just a couple of years, you're the babyish one here. But I've seen growth in all of you. I see growth in Lisa. I see growth in all of you. You Know what he's doing? The shepherd is completing you. The shepherd is working in your life. Don't stop allowing the shepherd to work in your life, and I think probably one of the biggest blessings is it is He, the Shepherd, who has received us. He's taken us in. He's opened the fold to His sheepfold, and He's allowed us to enter. Look at one Peter chapter two verse twenty-one. He says, "For to, for, for to this you were called." Because Jesus Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was, re- when he was reviled, he did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself Bore our sin in his own body on the tree, so that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The shepherd received a sin. Now you take those thoughts from the New Testament. And you look at Micah who's looking and praying. Going to be praising the shepherd of of Israel. The shepherd of God's people. Does he not do the same thing for them? Is not the shepherd sacrificial for his people? Is not the shepherd personal for his people? Does not the shepherd complete his people? Will he not receive them in? Our God. Is wonderful. And I, and I try to refrain from saying a lot of stuff like this. But you know what Mike is going to do in a moment? He's going he's to say to the world. Through verses 15 through 17. That, that not only. That, that God is going to save us as a people. Who ever come to him in repentance. But that effect of what God does. Is going to be something that the world views and these people that come out crawling like snakes and holding their ears and they're deaf and they're mute or whatever, when you study all that out, do you know what basically it is saying? It is saying these nations, these people who come to that mountain will be coming in repentance and praise and honor and glory of the shepherd of Israel. You know, God will be doing a wonderful work, and there will be many, many people Coming unto him, I, I, I was reading in a commentary. It says about this. It says this about those verses fifteen through seventeen. And I'm trying to rush to finish. But he said these people were overawed by God's great miracles, so much so that the Gentiles no longer wished to hear words of self exaltation or the claims of other deities. Having found the pearl of great price, they wanted nothing more. That was the picture of holding the ears and not speaking. They wanted nothing more. Every competing gospel is rejected out of hand. I mean, this is the future that, that is going to be taking place. And so what all does this do for Micah? You know what it does for Micah? It elicits praise for God by Micah. And you know what? what? What should this do for us? It should elicit praise from our heart. Knowing that God's going to save people. Knowing that God is going to set up His kingdom. Knowing that this is the thing that's going to take place when that, that Messiah's kingdom is set up there on Mount Zion. And, and there is no more golden round dome that is sitting on that hill. But it's going to be the temple of the living God. And the world is going to come to that place, and not as tourists, not to go riding on the Sea of Galilee, which is awesome, but to come and worship the living God. And Micah says, "Who is a God like you? Who else can do this? It's certainly not the God and again, because we have a small group, I'll say, but it's not the God of Islam. It's not the God of of other false religions that tell their people that you have to do certain things to come to God to go to his kingdom all that god says is just break down just stop stop trying stop fighting stop your unbelief just look to christ look to the messiah and live it's not a fairy tale But there is a great price to pay if you reject it. The price to pay if you reject Christ is death and hell and eventually all that cast into the lake of fire. There will be a great punishment for those who do not come in repentance. But God says there is a time right now and you can come and you can be saved. And and, and Micah says, who is a God like you? And that's what he means talking about because he saves. There are many scriptures in the Bible that that say there is no other God comparable to the God of heaven, to the God of Israel, to the God that's Jehovah, to the God that spoke at the burning bush, to the God that created everything. There are many verses. There's Psalm 89, verse six. There's Exodus eight, verse 10. There's one Chronicles 17, verse 20 that says, "O Lord, there is no one like you nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And you know what makes Him this kind of God? It's because of what He says at the end of Micah chapter 7. He says, there's no God that pardons iniquity and passes over the transgression of His people. There's no God like you that Does not retain his anger forever. He's not angry forever. But he delights in mercy. Our God delights in mercy. The Bible tells us. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That he may have compassion on him. And to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Pardon. That's what makes our God so amazing. He forgives. In 1 John it says if we confess our sins. What? He's going to hold them against us still? No. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8.12 says. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. So. Mike, in this final chapter, he says, we deserve it, but we have a God who will pardon our sins, look over our transgressions, bring us back to this mountain. Now we're all, that's all right, I jumped. (laughs) The window fell. Amen. That's it. Do you know? Do, 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 do. Micah says we're going to come back here. Yeah, we're going into captivity, but we're coming back to this place. And God's going to set up his kingdom. And he's going to forgive us of our sins. And Messiah's going to reign. And you know what? The, those who used to come against us, the Syrians and the Babylonians and the Philistines, They don't exist probably anymore, but you you know, in the Jordanians and the Syrians and and, and, in the Saudi Arabians and the Americans or the whoever's against us. There are going to be those from all of those nations because God's not going to save all people from all nations, but he will save a a people of every tongue and every kindred and every cut. Do you understand that? there will be people from all over this globe who will be flocking to God from past, present, and future probably. And we will all be coming to that place and we will will be worshiping the living God. I mean, that's hope, folks, isn't it? And do you know why we need to keep being a light? Because that's the story that we need to tell. It's the story of you can be saved. It's the, story that God lo- it's the story of that God loves you. It's the story of there's no sin that He cannot forgive. But the problem is that He cannot forgive your sin unless you come to Him. You have to come. It's not like Rob Bell said that eventually everybody will go to heaven just because He's a God of love and we'll all go there. That's not the case. You've got to come and you've got to repent and, and just in closing with this last thought. Isn't this awesome? Kingdom. Worship. Man There there's a service going on. It is awesome. And, and people are saved. And they're coming to worship God. And honor the true king. And, and Micah says man there is no God like you. Because you are a God that saves. But then in the very last verse. Look at verse 20. He says. And he closes his 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 book with this. Thou will perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn unto your our fathers from the days of old. In other words, you will give truth or you will give and that that word truth in the Hebrew is faithfulness. And and, and it says you will give truth, you will give faithfulness to Jacob and mercy to Abraham. Which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. That's a real, real prophetic prophecy kind of way of saying you're going to hold to your promises. You're going to hold to the truth. You are going to be faithful. But there's a slight little twist to it as well that 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 might might we can catch. See, not only. Is he saying that God is going to hold to His promises? But if you look at that word "truth" in the Hebrew, it's the word "faithfulness," and it also has a connection to the people of God as a whole. You know what he's saying is he's saying that it, it, it's like a covenant of faithfulness to Abraham. And and what he's saying is that this covenant of faithfulness is a gift to those who repent. In the same sense that faithfulness is a gift. In other words, the the bottom line is this. Micah is saying that God is also going to enable us to be faithful. Isn't that something pretty amazing to a people? If you trace their whole entire heritage, have you ever really found them to be faithful? The Moments, yeah. But not consistency. And whether that is true or not, whether... That verse is actually speaking to the fact that he will enable his people to be faithful. It's a pretty cool thought to think about if it's if that's exactly what it means, because you know what? He's no longer going to worry about a people who worships him for 40 years. But when that prophet dies, then they go away from God. Oh, you know what? Their prophet's never going to die. Jesus is always going to reign and God's going to enable his people to be faithful. That's our God, folks. Not just the God of Israel, but it's God it's the God of us Gentile dogs today. And that's the God you believe in. So you know what you can do? You can do what Israel's doing. They're going with that hope from Micah and with that hope from Isaiah, and they're going into the into the captivity. So, no, you know what we can do as hard as it is sometimes we can go through our dark times because we have this God as our God and we know what our future is going to be. And we and we even have more so because we know that the spirit of God lives inside of us now and we know that we're never forsaken and we're never left and that he is our he is his right arm of righteousness upholds us. We know that any moment that we're in the darkness, we're not like Israel. We don't have to go to the priest and have him pray or sacrifice or whatever. We can go to him on our own right then and there. Amen? I, I mean, this is our God. And you can go through your captivity and you can go through your dark time and you can go through your pain. And I just got a text a few seconds ago that It doesn't pertain anything to church, anything to this place, anything here. But it it was upsetting to me because someone didn't come to church. I got the text. I was looking forward to them. What I do, I got to keep praying, keep looking and continue in hope. Why? Because I have a God unlike any other God. And so do you. Amen. I hope that's a blessing to you. That finishes Micah.